Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of St. Luke's in Oklahoma City. We are one church with multiple campuses, and under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. Bob Long, we are a family of faith that seeks to share God's love and bring hope to the world. We invite you now to join us for a message of hope. Angela Alvarez is now in her 90s. She was born and raised actually in Cuba back in the 1920s, 30s, 40s. She grew up in a large, extended family, and one of the things she learned as a child was she loved music. She loved to sing. She taught herself how to play the guitar, how to play the piano. When she was 14 years old, she actually wrote, composed her first song. I mean, she just had a natural talent, and she loved music. So much so, when she grew up older as a teenager, she went to her father and said, you know, I want to be a singer. I mean, I want to be a professional entertainer. And her father said, no. You can sing for the family, but you can't sing for the world. She loved her father and respected him so much, she accepted what he said, and she set that dream aside in her life. She settled down, she got married, and soon they had four children. They were excited with their life, happy with their life, until Castro came to power in 59. When Castro came to power, they began making all efforts they could to get out of Cuba and immigrate over into the United States. It would take several years and only a few coming here or there, but they finally made it to the United States and they would settle in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Again, life settled down and it was good for them as a family until her husband, um, Orlando, developed lung cancer when he was 53, and he passed away. They left Amanda working very hard to be able to make all ends meet. Angela had to do all that she could to make sure she was taking care of the family. And the four kids did grow up, and they all got married, and they had nine grandchildren for her. And the grandchildren grew up, and they had 15 great-grandchildren for her. But it was her grandchild, Oscar, Alvarez, who also discovered he loved music like his Nana. He was very talented. He composed songs. He he could produce. He he would write. So he was working out in Los Angeles, California, and he got to thinking, you know, Nana back in Louisiana, she, she has so many wonderful songs that I heard her sing. As a kid, he would go to her house and she would sing, and he so loved it. And he thought, I need to get her recorded for my children's children. And so he went back home there to Louisiana. And there he sat with Nana and started listening and kind of recording. And discovered through the years she had actually written more than 50 songs. It was kind of like a diary. All these songs through her life about experiences she was having. Some were great joy. Some were very painful. But she could put it all into music. And she was singing all these songs for him, and he just was blown away. So he got to thinking about it, went back to L.A., decided to pull together some friends and see if maybe they couldn't record Nana in a far more professional way. They flew her out to L.A., and there he decided to surprise her, and he had a venue lined up, a professional venue, for her to be able to go and perform, to be able to sing in public. 
And he was the one who went on to stage to say, would you help me welcome and, uh, and help a teenage uh, woman have her greatest dreams? And out came um, this man, 91 years old. 91 years old, she came out and Angela sang for the first time in a performance on stage in front of people and she knocked them dead. It was great. So much so that all of the friends who heard what she was doing, people who were the musicians, been playing with her, said, we need to make an album. And so they began working on cutting her songs, the ones that she had written, and in the end they brought her into the studio and recorded an album. It was terrific. It actually came out in June of 2021, just last year. And it was this year that she was nominated for a Latin Grammy Award. Best New Artist of the Year. <laughs> the good news is, November the 17th, just last month, she won. 95 years old, she won a Latin Grammy for Best New Artist. It was such an exciting time to see what she was accomplishing and what she was doing. And I want to read you what she said. To those who have not fulfilled their dream, although life is difficult, there's always a way with faith and love you can achieve it. It's never too late. How often do you and I wonder if it's too late? Too late to dream our dreams? Too late to find love? Too late to live a life of meaning? We sometimes wonder if we missed it. That's what Ebenezer Scrooge was thinking. You and I, if you've been coming to St. Luke's throughout the month of December, when we've been going through Advent, if you've been watching online, you will know that as we have been studying the scriptures that lead us to the birth of a baby in Bethlehem, we've also been looking each week at the book A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. And as we've been going through it, we've been learning about Ebenezer Scrooge, the man whose life was really all about money, wealth, success, and business, and how it was his partner, Jacob Marley, who had been dead for seven years, who came back to Ebenezer Scrooge one night to tell him, you're wasting your life. You're building chains on your life. You are missing what life is about. And you're going to regret it if you don't change. And so I'm going to send to you three ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past, present, and the ghost of Christmas future. And so it was on Christmas Eve, the ghosts began to come one after the other. And Ebenezer Scrooge had to go back in his past and see his visions, his dreams, his hopes, and see how he began to change as the years went by. And then to see Christmas present and to see how he was living and yet people like the Cratchits, a family who was poor, 
but had such joy and a love for one another. He learns about tiny Tim, this young boy with such a joyful spirit, but who is ill. And he asks the angel, the, the ghost, is he going to live? And the ghost says, if someone does not help him, this will be his last Christmas. And then he goes with the ghost of Christmas future and what he sees is someone who is dead and nobody cares. And he discovers that it's him. Nobody cares. No one's going to go to the funeral. He sees that tiny Tim has died. He goes to the cemetery and he finds his grave. It is his grave. It is covered and untaken care of because nobody ever comes and nobody cares. And there at his own grave, he looks at the ghost of Christmas future and says, Is there any hope? Is there any hope? Is it too late? And suddenly he finds himself back in his bed and he wakes up and it's morning and he runs to the window to look outside and ask the question, Have I missed it? Now, you know, he's asking the question, have I missed Christmas? But he's also really asking, have I missed life? Is it too late that I miss it? I think there are times when you and I come to Christmas and that's really what we wonder. As we look at our lives, is it too late for my dreams, for love, for living a life of meaning, that makes a difference? Have I missed it? The good news of Christmas is the answer is no. Because of a baby born in Bethlehem, it is the expression of God's love, the gift of God's grace that says no matter what your past has been, you have this moment. You have this moment. It is not too late. You can live in a spirit of love where you experience meaning because of the way that you choose to care. It's not too late, but it sure is easy to be afraid. In our scripture lessons that we were looking at through this Christmas season, you go back and remember, we remember we looked at Zechariah the first week, he and Elizabeth going to have the baby John. And how Zechariah was in the temple and the angel came to Zechariah and the first thing he said was, don't be afraid. To Mary, the announcement, you're going to have a baby. It says she was greatly troubled. Don't be afraid. To Joseph, who was going to divorce Mary quietly, the angel says, don't be afraid. To the shepherds in the field who are going to receive this good news of a great joy for all the people, don't be afraid. The common message of the Christmas story is a baby is coming into the world so that God can say to us, you don't have to be afraid that you missed it. You have this moment. This moment you get to choose what you will do and how you will live. It's not too late. I just want to lift up three thoughts to you as we gather on this Christmas Eve tonight to celebrate the birth of our Lord. First of all, understand 
You have been chosen to be blessed. I love it when the angel says, Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will come to all the people. You can say that a different way. There's good news of a great joy that will come to you. You are all the people. There's a good news of a great joy that will come to you. You have been chosen to be blessed. Isn't it interesting? You have Ebenezer Scrooge, and it is Marley, his partner, who's been dead for seven years, who chooses to come back to really bless Ebenezer. Now, it scares him to death. But, you know, sometimes when you get the opportunity to love, to do it different, it does scare you to death. It scared Ebenezer to death when Marley comes back to say, I want to help you do it different. You need to do it different. Look what's happening. He was chosen. You and I have been chosen. Same way. You know, if you're a football fan, as I certainly am, I know one of the stories you have to be following right now is the story of Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, you will remember, was the quarterback at Iowa State um, before this season for the last four years. Very fine young man, a person of faith, a man who's kind, talented. This Earlier this year, he was in the NFL draft, and he was chosen number 262. That's when he was chosen. And when you're chosen, the last person in the draft, that's what it was. 262, that was the last person. You get the name Mr. Irrelevant. It's been something that's been given now for decades, and whoever is the last person in the draft, chosen Mr. Irrelevant, well, they throw a big party for you out in California, and it's a fundraiser for charities, and you get all kinds of gifts. You are Mr. Irrelevant, last person chosen in the draft. Well, he was chosen by the San Francisco 49ers to be their third-string quarterback. They had chosen Trey Lance, also a rookie, to become their quarterback. And everyone was so excited. And so he became the new quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Again, a fine young man from North Dakota State. In the second game of the season, he broke his ankle and was out for the season. So now they had to turn back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo had been the starting quarterback for San Francisco the year before. And they had to say, you've got to accept the fact you're not going to be number one. You're going to be the backup. Now he had to step back in as the quarterback and he played great. So great that San Francisco was about ready to clinch their division when in week 13, he broke his ankle. And now Jimmy Garoppolo was out for the rest of the season. And suddenly they had to turn to Mr. Irrelevant. And suddenly Brock Purdy was now going to be the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers on their run to make it into the playoffs. He came in when Jimmy got hurt playing the Dolphins and played incredibly well, and they won. And he was so calm and collected. The next week he had his first NFL start, week 14, and it happened to be against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. And they beat him 35 to 7. Beat him like a drum. He played so well, you should have seen these, again, so calm, collected. Then he started against Seattle, playing also for their own division. 
beat the Seattle Seahawks. And he always was just so calm and collected. And people were saying, you are a rookie thrust into this. How are you so calm? And he said, well, I work hard and I'm trying to get better each week. And then I put it in God's hands and I just go out there and play. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to practice. I'm going to learn. I'm going to put it in God's hands and I'm going to go play. Well, people stopped calling him Mr. Irrelevant. They started calling him Mr. Relevant. But when they did that, they didn't understand what they were doing. You see, the people who started this idea of Mr. Irrelevant years ago, it was to say, it was not to say that because you were chosen last in the draft, you are irrelevant. What it was supposed to say is, it is irrelevant you were chosen last in the draft because you were chosen. And now you get to play. It is irrelevant what has happened to you in the past. For you have been chosen to be blessed by God. Good news of a great joy that comes to you. You don't have to be afraid. It's not too late. You have today. So secondly, open your heart to love. It's just that simple and that hard. Open your heart to love. You don't have to live very long before your heart gets hurt. And when our heart gets hurt, it sometimes becomes hard and we start looking in other places for meaning. For Ebenezer Scrooge, he loved his sister, a younger sister. She grew up, she got married, she had a baby, and she died. Most of us have loved somebody who has died. And we know how hard that is. But for Ebenezer Scrooge, he also loved a, a young woman named Belle. They had been young, they were growing up together, they were engaged to be married. But Belle saw how he now was working more and more to be successful in business. And that really became his driving force. It was all about making more money, having more things. He wanted to be successful and he was forgetting to love. And Belle could see it happening and she said, there is no place for me in your life. She broke off the engagement and she married somebody else. And the years had gone by and Ebenezer Scrooge focused more and more on success and wealth and money. Understand, there's nothing bad about money, but it is dangerous. Because you and I can start looking to wealth and the things we own to try to define who we are, to prove that we're somebody of worth, that we are good, that it makes us important. And that's really to forget what it's all about. Because it really is about love. It's about relationships that will give meaning to all those other things. But it's got to start with love. You know, I have a friend who owned a business. He was, he was an entrepreneur. It was a business um, for um, wood decorative products, you know, like trim, molding, um, rosettes, all those kinds of things. 
and the business had done very well. He had about 50 employees, and he was actually great to his employees. He always wanted to take care of them, loved throwing a fun Christmas party, and he was telling me about one party that he threw one year. And the thing they would do every year was they would kind of have the dirty center. You have your gifts, and you go and choose one, and someone else can choose one, and now we're going to take, or what are we going to do? And he said, well, this year, he said they had an employee. He was 21 years old, tall, thin, name was Sam, hard worker. And he was there watching as people were getting their gifts. And, man, there were some nice gifts that were going out the door. People were getting these different gifts, and you could just tell he was excited what am I going to get? And finally it was his turn to go to the tree and choose the gift. And he came back and opened it up. And when he opened up this box, it was a whole bunch of their product. I mean, like rosettes and the blocks and crown. And you're like, it's our product in this box. Well, he was so disappointed and so upset. I mean, you could just tell from his demeanor. I mean, his head falls down, the way he starts acting around, kind of like, you could just tell how upset he was. Well, the next lady to choose was a lady named Mary. She was in her 40s. She was gracious. She went and she chose a box, and it happened to be a tool case full of tools. I mean, it was a nice set of tools. And now Sam looks over, oh, the lady's getting all these tools, and he's got a box of wood, and he's going, you could just see again this anger. I want the tools. I don't want this box. And again, he was just acting out and snorting. And you can just tell this was not a good thing. Mary could certainly sense it. And she's the one who took the initiative and said, Sam, I'd be happy to give you this tool set if you want to give me that box. He was thrilled. Are you kidding? I'm going to get my tools. This is great. He was more than happy. He wasn't worried about Mary. I want the tools. This is great. So he gave her the box. He gets the tool set. Mary starts digging around through all the wood. <laughs> and down at the bottom, she comes across an envelope. And she pulls out the envelope, and what is it but two airline tickets and, two, and hotel and meals and trip to Vegas. Now Sam is really angry. <laughs> That's what he wanted right there, and you got my gift. Now he was so mad about it, he got up and he left the party. Stormed out of the party, jumped in his truck, backed up in a huff, and ran into the boss's car. <laughs> now what I'd like to say is that he did was he had an epiphany. He had one of those aha moments when he goes, I'm really being immature. This isn't what life is about. And he decides to come back in and say to the boss, I've run into your car and I'm so sorry. I'll pay to have it fixed. And Mary, why don't you take the tools as well? I don't need the tools because I know what's important and it really is about just having love and joy with one another. That's not what happened. No, he went ahead and drove off into the night. He didn't learn the lesson, which meant it would be a lesson that he still had to learn. And we only learn the lessons when we are ready. And who knows how old we will be before we understand. For Ebenezer Scrooge, he'd grown old. 
when he was shown Tiny Tim and he saw that he's going to die. And he got moved with compassion. And for the first time, something stirred in his heart. So when he wakes on Christmas morning and says, have I missed it? The answer was no. And now he's going to buy a turkey for the family. I want them to have something. I'm going to help take care of Tiny Tim. I'm going to give Bob Cratchit a raise. And it would be said that no one kept Christmas in their heart all year long better than Ebenezer Scrooge. Choose love. Third, if you do, then I can assure you this Christmas, the presence of Christ will come with joy and peace and love and meaning. That is the promise of Christmas, that the presence of Christ will be born again in your heart. The presence of Christ will come. For Ebenezer Scrooge, he woke up that morning and had to ask, did I miss it? No. That's the promise. It's never too late. If you choose to act different, if you have this moment and you choose in this moment to live differently, you will discover the presence of Christ comes in your life and Christmas will be born again in you. You know, right now I've been having a great time with the fact that the Artemis Project has come back to NASA. If you've been following along, you know that NASA's decided we're going back to the moon. We now have the Artemis Project. We haven't been to the moon since 1972. I grew up in Houston. I loved the space program. And it was the space program where, you know, we had a Mercury and then Gemini, then Apollo, we landed on the moon in the summer of 1969. It was just an incredible time. And then we haven't gone back since 1972. It's been 50 years. So you have the Artemis program, and the Artemis program now, we're going back to the moon, and then we're going to build a colony on the moon and figure out how to survive living in the outer space so then we can jump and go to Mars. I mean, it is exciting what we are now about doing. Well, Artemis, the first rocket, Artemis 1, took off back here in the middle of November. It was gone for 24 days, went further into space than any rocket we have. It was unmanned, but it went all the way and then came back, and the Orion capsule splashed down December the 11th, just a couple weeks ago. The Orion splashed down, and it was completely successful. The fascinating thing is the Orion capsule splashed down December the 11th. It was December the 11th, 1972, when the lunar lander of Apollo 17 went and landed on the moon. Same exact date, 50 years later, from when the lunar lander landed to now the Orion splashed down successfully, we're on our way again. It's time to dream again. When I was hearing all that, it made me think about Gene Cernan. Gene Cernan was the commander of Apollo 17. He was a wonderful man, a wonderful human being, a commander, a person of faith. I was at Oshkosh, Wisconsin a number of years ago at a big air show. He was there to speak. It was a small venue. I got to visit with him, hearing him talk. He was such an incredible inspiration. 
But he talked about how when they flew to the moon and he and Jack came down and landed on the moon, he and Jack Smith brought with them a, a, a little dune buggy. No one had ever had a dune buggy on the moon before. They got it off the side of the lunar lander. They unfolded it, put up the solar stick, got some uh, energy, and before they knew it, they're buzzing along across the lunar landing, landscape there on the moon, throwing up rooster tails. I mean, it's like you're out in a dune buggy. They were having a ball. It was so exciting. They wound up being on the moon for three nights longer than any person had been so far. And it gave them all this time to be doing these experiments, all these things NASA wanted done. And they worked so hard day after day after day until finally on the last day, Gene Cernan said, I wanted to just be and not do something every moment. And he finally got through the last experiment and he just stood there on the moon to take in the experience of what does it mean to be on the moon. And I want to read you what he said. I stood on the moon and I started looking at the blackness of space. And I looked at this little blue ball out there in the blackness and I could hold up my thumb and my thumbnail would blot it out of my sight. So far from home in this huge universe. And I thought about all the people on earth, all the people I loved. And I thought about our God. Why wasn't this thing flying off into space somewhere? And yet it stayed spinning on its axis with all these people. Standing there on the moon and looking, I, I wish I could say it in some other way. But the only way I can say it is, I stood there in silence, not a sound. And I felt the presence of God. I felt the presence of God on this desolate moon in the blackness of space. And I felt the presence of my maker come. He walked back to the lunar lander to climb up the ladder and they would be leaving the lunar surface. But before he stepped off of the moon, the last words from the moon would be, as we leave the moon, we leave as we came. And God willing, we shall return with peace and hope for all mankind. God will come with peace and hope for all mankind to help us lead meaningful lives. It's not too late. You haven't missed it. God bless us, everyone. You've been listening to the sermon podcast of St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City. We are one church with multiple campuses. Learn all about St. Luke's different services and programs on our website, stlukesokc.org. We trust you will experience God's love and hope throughout this week.